hello there, and welcome back to the podcast. I am producer Ash, and this is true. I'm joined again tonight by a truly special guest, mm. James McMillan from the unofficial one member Ken Burns fan club. James, welcome back to the studio. Why, thank you. Um, I wasn't aware that I was a member of this one member fan club of Ken Burns, but that makes sense. It does. I am a big fan. He's an American legend. He has an epic hairdo, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's up with that. He's got all this fame, all that success, lots of money. Well, maybe he doesn't have as much money as I think he does. But enough money to not have that pumpkin pie haircut <laughs> situation. Um. Well, why are we talking about Ken Burns? It is because today we're going to talk about Ashokan Farewell. The, somehow the only non-19th century song in Ken Burns' entire Civil War. Really? Yes. Wow. I mean, when you think of Civil War or even like any kind of historical, like the Potomac, 1970. Or, yeah. <laughs> it is that song. 1845. 1845. I write to my dear wife. Yeah. On the battlefield. The song that you hear in your head is yeah. Ashokan Farewell. It is that song. That's right. Well, it's a beautiful song. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so that piece of music, which perfectly evokes the dreamy yet simple vision of wistful times long past, like I said, is somehow the only piece of music in the entire docuseries that wasn't written in the 19th century. It's basically the same age as you and I. It's the only one not? Wow. Yep. Interesting. For those of you who've been living under a rock, welcome out of that rock hole. And here is a sampling of Ashokan Farewell. The history of the song begins with a musical duo, Jay Unger and Molly Mason. He was a kid from the Bronx, raised on 40s and 50s pop music, who hung out in Greenwich Village coffee houses and later roamed North Carolina and Tennessee in search of traditional players. Molly grew up in Washington State, just north of us, and had a fondness for traditional fiddle music and the jazzy sound of the swing era. Ooh. It's interesting. I'm When reading that, I was trying to imagine like how that influenced the song. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, that region... It's funny how many people... Wait, you said that she's from Washington? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep, and he's from the Bronx. That, wow, that is not at all... <laughs> so surprising. How do you hear that piece of music? You would, you would assume they're from down Virginia, south. Virginia. Virginia. Tennessee. Yeah. Well, their partnership started with a chance meeting in the late 70s. Jay and Molly were each performing at the Town Crier, a rural New York club. They hit it off musically and romantically. Wow, wow. And yada, 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 after a number of years, occasionally performing together, but living in different parts of the country, they would eventually become an iconic American Roots duo based in New York's Catskill Mountains. And they married in 1991. Mm. So how was this song written? It's actually, it's, it's exactly the story that I imagined when I was looking into this. Right. So Jay, Jay Unger says... Ashokan Farewell was named for Ashokan, a camp in the Catskill Mountains not far from Woodstock, New York. It's the place where Molly and I have run the Ashokan Fiddle and Dance Camps for adults and families since 1980. 
Ashoken is the name of a town, most of which is now under a very beautiful and magical body of water called the Ashoken Reservoir. Oh, wow. Totally giving me um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou vibes of the town that's just flooded and it's just mm-hmm. like kind of in stasis down there. Right. So the, the reservoir actually provides drinking water for New York City 100 miles to the south. Just a fun fact, came from Bronx. Now he has his Ashokan um, camps that that water feeds into New York City. Wow, no kidding. It's a weird little connection. He says, Our local historian once told me that the name Ashokan first appeared as a place name in 17th century Dutch records. He thought it was probably a corruption of a local Lenape. I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm totally butchering that. It's an Indian word meaning a good place to fish. And he says, that it is. <laughs> it's very scenic. He says, I composed a Shokin Farewell in 1982, shortly after our camps had come to an end for the season. I was feeling a great sense of loss and longing for the music, the dancing, and the community of people that had developed at a Shokin that summer. I was having trouble making that transition from a secluded woodland camp with a small group of people who needed a little excuse to celebrate the joy of living, back to life as usual, with traffic, newscasts, telephones, and impersonal relationships. The song sort of wrote itself. Hmm. It wasn't a long process. Maybe in the first 20 to 40 minutes, I had most of it. Um, this was, and then he starts experimenting on his fiddle and recording his work the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, maybe after an hour or so, I put it away and then listened. By the time the tune took form, I was in tears, but I didn't know why or what was happening. There was a kind of tingling feeling. I kept it to myself for months and unable to fully understand the emotions that welled up whenever I played it. I had no idea that this simple tune could affect others in the same way. Wow. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's haunting. Also, I I mean, I think I'm not the only one. When you hear that song, especially in the context of watching Ken Burns' Civil War... You just assume it's a song from that period because it sounds like it. It's so in line with that that era. Yep. That's phenomenal. A couple of key things that are different, though. It's actually so Ashokan Farewell was written in the style of a Scottish lament, the style of Mm -hmm. a song, which is different from what all of the other songs and like the songs of the time were written as. I forget what the name of it's for, but it's like a southern something or other. Right. But. You don't really notice it when you're listening to it, but it, like now that you look back at it with that knowledge, you can totally tell that it's just completely differently structured. Yeah, and especially there, there's a the ending to that song. It, uh, yeah, it's in line with what you're saying. Yeah, and you have Scottish roots, so I'm sure you're proud to hear that it was a Scottish lament. Oh, it makes me very happy. Um, Jay says, I sometimes introduce it as, quote, a Scottish lament written by a Jewish guy from the Bronx. <laughs> um, in 1983, our band Fiddle Fever was recording its second album, Waltz of the Wind, and we needed another slow tune. Fiddle Fever, by the way. Yep. We tried my yet unnamed lament. The arrangement came together in the studio very quickly. Molly suggested the title, Ashokan Farewell, and it seemed right to me. Enter onto the scene, Ken Burns. Ah. A year later, the filmmaker heard that album and was immediately taken by the song. What does Ken Burns' voice sound like? It's 
got to be kind of nasally, right? Yeah, it, it it is kind of it is kind of nerdy and and just matter of factish. Okay. And yeah, and then he just says a lot of facts and the interesting thing about the Civil War is this. Okay. No. Yeah. I'm gonna um get into my Ken Burns person with his glasses and his haircut and his weird hair. Okay. Okay. This is what Burns is saying. I first heard this extraordinary piece of music. I instantly knew how good it was. What I couldn't imagine was the overwhelming response the country would have to it, from presidents to ordinary folks in every part of America. Today, the tune will be played dozens of times at weddings and funerals, memorial services, and renewing of vows. <laughs> also, referring to any music as extraordinary or a piece of music, you know what type of person we're talking about. Yeah. It's you know like, the the haircut he might have. You know the haircut. You know the khakis he's certainly wearing. Mm-hmm. Polos. Polos. He's yeah. It's like professor type guy. Yeah, I was thinking of a tweed jacket. I don't. I'm a music guy. I've been a music guy my entire life. I don't think I've referred to a song as a piece of music. An extraordinary piece of music. That's tech. Yeah, that's that's typically more in line with like classical music. You refer to it as a piece of music. Yeah, it's very for sure. Interesting. Um, well, Jay recounts in another interview, quote, We had been performing at Shogun Farewell for about six years with our band, and we knew that it had a powerful effect on people. But I was extremely surprised at the national interest that occurred after Ken's series came out. I think the thing was that the tune just got to people right into their heart and soul. Yeah, it yep. does. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful song. And the public went crazy for it. Jay was contacted by newspapers around the country and ended up working on other Burns documentaries, including Lewis and Clark, The Roosevelts, and The Dust Bowl. Wow. He says, quote, I was interviewed by the New York Times and the Philadelphia Inquirer, and I did a bunch of morning TV shows. The phone rang off the hook. It was endless and a little scary, frankly, and so unexpected. I don't know the right word, but it bordered on disturbing at times. <laughs> wow. And for that kind of music. Yeah, that's interesting. Like the fervor for it. I looked it up on Spotify. There's there's a few different versions, but they're all credited under Jay Unger. And between the two real versions that I'm seeing, it's over 5 million streams on Spotify, which is pretty incredible for a a, a piece of music. An extraordinary piece An of extraordinary music. extraordinary piece of music. <laughs> um, I read something about an interview with Jay where he was saying that, you know, so many people have adapted it in so many different like genres and on like theremins and like oh, all wow. the different kinds of crazy I want to hear it I know theremin version of that but he said that the thing that struck him about it was that everyone stays really tight to the original song like almost mm. like it's like sacred like I, I can't deviate too much from the original tune that makes sense yeah yeah because it's an extraordinary piece of music is it kind of heartbreaking to you that it was written in 1982 and not 1837 it's not but only because of kind of how the ending that i'll get to hmm. like i kind of came full circle where i found that out and i was like what in the hell yeah and then i got to a place where i was like oh that's very sweet cool so this stardom has made unger a favorite among civil war reenactors <laughs> including those cosplaying as southern soldiers that? <laughs> keep it's in a, mind he's a, a new york jew yeah he sure is <laughs> he says quote it's become pretty huge in our lives 
We do all kinds of music every summer, but back then, when the Civil War came out, after two summers, it became painfully obvious, all these people being Civil War buffs, that those people who played the Southern reenactors didn't get along with the traditional fiddle players who were in the Northern reenactors. <laughs> Amazing. We divided it up into a Northern week and a Southern week, and we've kept it separate every year since. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, remarkably, Ashokan Farewell seemed so authentic to the Civil War era, as we were just saying, that some people were convinced that it was material that Unger had dug up somewhere and tweaked to make it his own. Oh, wow. In fact, the pushback was so strong that he even began to second-guess himself about uh, where he came up with it. No kidding. Wow. Mm -hmm. He says, quote, a number of people made it their goal to prove that the song had existed and that I really didn't write it. Occasionally, even now, I get a person who wants to show me up and prove that the song is actually very old. In a sense, I didn't really know where it came from because it did come to me quite easily. And so many people were searching for the antecedent because they were convinced that I had copied it. And I started to doubt myself. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's so in line with that era. Mm-hmm. Well, gaslighting aside, the song is as powerful and influential now as it was in the 80s. And there's a certain amount of really delicious irony for this de facto anthem of the Civil War and, by extension, the Civil War itself, having been written in the form of a Scottish lament by a Jew from the Bronx, as Jay often calls it. But it makes sense in a way, given that we are a nation of immigrants, a melting pot of cultures. And that's the story of the only modern song in the Civil War series, Ashokan Farewell. Amazing. What a crazy story. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Well, my sources for this episode were the Daily Gazette, Professor Carroll, ah. salute you, Professor Carroll, and The Atlantic. Um, and then, as per tradition, we need to wrap up with a moral of the story. And James, would you do you have a moral ready? Yeah, I'll take one up top of my dome here. I think uh, for me, just don't assume anything. I, mean, I just assumed that this was a, an old song from the 1800s, the Civil War era. And in fact, I actually, now that I think about it, I have heard that it was a more modern song. But then I, I think I convinced myself that it was scored for Civil War, Ken Burns Civil War. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that it was a, an autonomous song years before because the civil war documentary series came out in 1990 mm -hmm. this was in 82 yeah crazy. and that's how insane it is i mean even the person who wrote it himself is kind of gaslit into thinking that maybe he even heard it somewhere and yeah. retrofitted it like even though you knew that it was a newer song you still had it in your mind no it was too perfect for that like that's how that's what an extraordinary piece of music it is james right extraordinary <laughs> well my moral of the story i think is that somehow even in 2022 history nerds that dress up in civil war costumes still need to have separate parties due to their 160 year old <laughs> beef and that is shocking that is shocking hey one last little thing for you mm -hmm. if anyone wants to really get a feel for this song and the vibe look up shelby foot oh yeah talking you can just type in civil uh shelby foot civil war Shelby Foote is one of the, the talking heads on a lot of Ken Burns documentaries, but he specifically is known for Civil War and baseball. 
but yeah, the, typically they'll have this song playing in the background while he's talking about you know Gettysburg or how, how, how the the Greys did this and did that. It's it's wonderful. He's got one of the most beautiful southern like that like Virginia kind of thing. It is really a, a perfect slice of Ken Burns. Yeah. Like footage. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And James, thank you for being back on the show. And remember, everyone, if you are a modern enough person to have an iPhone, maybe don't wear those uh, wool Civil War gray or blues and um, demand your own festival. <laughs>